you might not be able to define what it is, but you know there's something happening. Mm-hmm. So there was something happening and a desire. And I just started feeling like, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to avoid that anymore. I felt like I was traumatized in college. So I just didn't want to deny myself that any longer. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, my passion maker. This is Miriam Shulman, your curator of inspiration, and you're listening to episode number 179 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking to a very inspiring figurative artist. But before we dive into today's show, I wanted to let you know that the Inspiration Place is having its first ever student art show. We invited all of our Watercolor Portrait Academy alumni to submit a portrait and over 24 artists raised their hands and said, yes, I want to share my art. Now, because there's so many talented portrait and figurative artists inside the Artist Incubator Program who were not necessarily watercolor portrait students, I wanted to highlight their art as well. So I handpicked a few of the Artist Incubator artists, and you'll see their art on that page. So if you want to go see it, go to shulmanart.com forward slash salon. You'll also see today's guest, her art, and she's a figurative artist. You'll see that on the page as well. So again, go to shulmanart.com forward slash salon. Today's guest is a mixed media artist and instructor born with art in her heart, and she's been in creating as long as she can remember. Her preferred choice of mediums are ink, acrylics, and pastels. Her art breathes color and love and creates a space where happiness, love, and courage dwell. Her work has been featured on HDTV, Huffington Post, Faber-Castell, Deco Art, and in numerous other magazines and blogs. Her art was born from growing up in a wonderful community, which is why her art exists. Her art tells the story of community, strength, courage, love, and female empowerment. She inspires creatives to embrace their inner artist while also nurturing their hearts and memories. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, T.R. Smith. Well, hey there. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. So glad to be here. I am so excited to dive in and learn all about your origin story and all the things. So first of all, I know you told me you grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep, and sure did. So when did you come to Atlanta? In 2003. Okay, so you've been there for, I'm trying to do math. 18 now. years. That's a long time. 18 years. <laughs> That's a long time. And we're not going to try to figure out how okay. old you are, not that there's any shame in it. But yeah. tell us about your childhood in Chicago, because I know you talk about like 
in the introduction when we said your your artist statement is you say your art was born from growing up in a wonderful community. So I'm sure where you grew up had a big impact on your art. And I'd like to hear more about that. Yes, it did. So I grew up in an area of Chicago on the north side called Rogers Park. The thing for me is that I just felt like it was it was like the best childhood. There was just so much love and togetherness in my community. It was very diverse. But the thing that I remember most is the growing and the love from African-American women, which is why they are depicted in my art. So I'm talking about the people who nurtured me, who cared for me, my teachers. And it wasn't all of them. It was specific teachers, my mom, my neighbors, my friends, and my current friends. So I lived in that neighborhood from second grade until through college, actually. You know, you grow up in that neighborhood, you grow up with the same people, and you have all of these people that I call multiple people mom. Mm. So I just felt very nurtured, very loved, very cared for. If I ever, if I was ever outside and I needed someone, we knew our neighbors. So if my mother wasn't home, then my neighbors were always available to me. I had a teacher who not only helped me in uh, high school, like to go to prepare for college, but even when I finished college, she actually helped me get my first job. So she was very active in my life. So that's how I feel about the women. Like they were very active and nurturing and loving. And not that there weren't any struggles. There are plenty of struggles, but the understory and the, the prevailing story and feeling for me was love. And so my art to me is sort of like honoring not only myself, but all of these different people in different areas of my life. It tells their story. It tells our story. It breathes, like I said, love and courage. I had to see it all. But again, I just felt loved. I just felt love. My dad passed away when I was only five years old. So it was a lot of women that just stood in place in community who I felt loved by. We have that in common, TR. Did you know my father passed away when I was five also? Wow, no. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, it was my maternal grandmother who sometimes I say that's where I get my strength from. Not my maternal grandmother, my, my father's mother. Okay. She kind of stepped. So, that's paternal. So, she had stepped mm-hmm. in and she was a very powerful influence in my life. And I think because she had lost her son and her son had two daughters. I think she kind of wanted to see us carry on his legacy. Mm, so mm-hmm. that was a very, so we have, anyway, we have that in common. I want to make this episode be about you though. Okay. So let's talk about art in your childhood. Was that, so you said you've always been painting, but was that something you kn- always knew you wanted to make a career out of, or were you doing it more for yourself? Okay. So of course, when you're little, like when I was little coloring and drawing and doing all the things, I didn't think about it in that way. But at some point I did. I thought of art and I thought of teaching. Mm -hmm. So there were two things I wanted to do. But honestly, I was discouraged from both of those because of course, when you think of art, people think starving artists. When you think of teaching, people say teachers don't make any money. So 
I went to school for accounting and I was great. Accounting, I was like a straight A honor roll student, but I could not stand the numbers and constantly working with numbers. So then I switched to marketing. So I got, I have my degree in marketing, but still, you know, you, you, you go, you go into the workforce, you do your thing and you don't feel fulfilled is what happens to you. Now in college, my last year of college, I actually took an art class. I was being a smart, but I will call it. I took French and art my last year of college because I had two years of French in high school. So I figured French would be easy. And I already knew how to draw on everything. So I figured the art class would be easy. Well, the art class sucked the life out of me. It took all of my inspiration right out of me because I was not interested in learning or doing the the lessons. It just, they weren't inspiring. So for 18 years, you might not know that about me. For 18 years, I put my pencil down. Oh, wow. It just sucked me dry. And then it was a very emotional day when I finally decided to pick up my pencil and draw again. I scrapbooked. So I did create but I didn't get back to art or drawing or anything for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. So, so my daughter, the one who is a music teacher, she cannot stand art classes, even though she likes to create art. And I, she just doesn't like to be told what to do (laughs) creatively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, which actually I think is the mark of a true artist. (laughs) And you have your own ideas of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. TR, I want you to take me to that moment when you did, what drove you to finally pick up that pencil again? What was that moment? Well, of course, I told you I was scrapbooking okay. so and card making. So I was doing things that were creative, but you know, the internet puts a lot of stuff in front of you. And so I started seeing more and more art. And meeting more people in different creative areas. And I started seeing people who were painting and who were drawing. And it just started feeling like, oh, I used to do that, you know. And this was and around you, the time you moved to Atlanta, I'm imagining. Is that correct? Well, I'm trying to no. put a date on the scrapbooking craze versus. Okay. okay. So the scrapbooking craze, I actually had my first business, which was in two, I moved here in 2003. In 2004, I started a company called Classy Coordinates, which was a scrapbook kit club. I ended that in 2010 because, you know, there was a housing bust and um, discretionary income was going down. So I stopped doing that. I picked up my pencil in 2014. So four years later. And the moment that happened, again, I was watching and seeing everyone doing this. And you know, you're an artist. It turns inside of you. You don't, you might not be able to define what it is, but you know there's something happening. Mm-hmm. So there was something happening and a desire. And I just started feeling like I don't want to feel that. I don't want to avoid that anymore. I felt like I was traumatized in college. So I just didn't want to deny myself that any longer. And so one day, literally, I picked up the pencil and I just started drawing and I cried tremendous tears in that moment. It just was like, it was an amazing, tearful moment. Mm. 
And like a religious me, experience. Like, yeah, I mean, it was crazy, but that just was, I held back on that for so long, mm. you know? You were really suppressing, repressing and denying that, like mm -hmm. that desire in yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's something actually a lot of women do, mm -hmm. especially in this country. It's from the Puritans that we're taught it's not okay to desire. Right. <laughs> Right. Money, money, sex, and power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And art is all of those things. All of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So I am, I can't even express how free that moment made me and how free the years since then have felt to me. Wow. It's beautiful. Let's take a moment. Uh, all right. So now I want you to describe your art that you make. Have you, that, that, so the, the figurative art that you make now, is that what you were making eight years ago or has that evolved over time? I'm going to say that the, the angels probably were already there. So okay. yeah, that, that it's evolved in that I just, I didn't, I first started off and I really did angels. I, I art journal and did angels. And so it's evolved to a bit more of like abstract, like if you could see that one over there with the pink and the orange. Yeah. Why don't oh, no. you describe that artwork as if you're describing it to a blind person because it's a podcast. Okay. It's a podcast. <laughs> I mean, we we will have a video on, on Instagram okay. for people okay. who are listening right now. If you want to go check out TR. Uh, you can find on my channel. Also, let me just give you her channel. So she's at TR Smith, Smith art. art. Are there any mm -hmm. dots in between the words? No. So nope. one word, TR Smith art. And it's T-I-A-R-E. Yes. Dot art. Right. I mean, it's pronounced T-R <laughs> like the, the two letters, but T-I-A-R-E. And right. you can also find her on my channel. I'll be highlighting an, you know the, a snippet of the video. So you at Shulman Art, some of the, today's podcast video will be over there. Okay, so describe the, uh, and what is the title of that painting with the, the two women in it with the orange and pink? That title, you know what, Marianne, put me on the spot. <laughs> Sorry, okay, so it's new, it's not titled it's yet. Right, so okay. I'm just like, I, no, I'm sorry, it is. It's, I believe it's Moonlight Magic, but I'm... Okay. <laughs> Because they're going to be people who are going to be wanting to collect wanting to, it and they need to be able to tell you which one. So it is. If, so I'm going to describe it. I will know which one. Okay. <laughs> it might be moonlight magic. <laughs> it's magic. Magic is in the title. I just can't. Perfect. I'm okay. sorry. All right. Anyway. So basically, I call them figurative. The dress is the dresses are orange and pink, two ladies, orange and pink. It looks like a mother and daughter, but it could be sisters. It could be friends. And the dresses are very, uh, I call them splotches, what I call my splotch art. So they are not defined with definition. They're much more flowy, much more free, free much more like a splattering of paint and color. So that style has developed over time more than my angels. So the angels are where they started, then dresses with more defined and dancers, and then 
more abstract women with abstract dresses. So it has transformed over the years. Yeah. And I think my style has been more defined in those eight years. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, I I love that one that you just described, but there's one just behind you where it's a a single figure. She's wearing a blue dress. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that those are white. Would they be pansies? Okay. So when I do flowers, I literally try to just do what I think is a flower without defining it as a specific flower. So I... Yeah. It has the shape of a pansy, but I don't think I've ever seen a white pansy and it's stunning. Like, so I love this one because it had, not that I, by, by saying, I don't mean I didn't love the other one, but what I particularly love about this one is I love the limited color palette you chose because the background is blue. The dress is, is blue. And then the flowers, there's three very strong flowers that are white with blue shading. And then it's a, a small blue flower in her hair. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's a dragonfly. So do you have symbolism? I mean, does the dragonfly represent something? Do the flowers represent something? Or are you just painting joy and beauty? Okay. For me, dragonflies have always been important. Well, not always, but as an artist and, and even since classic ordinance, because dragonflies for me are transformation. Yeah. So it's a part of who I am. Um, you will see dragonflies in my art, in my logo, just all different parts of my life. I have dragonflies in my house. So that is there because transformation. And of course, as an African-American woman, the dragonfly, it all means something to me because, again, I'm representing uh, my life and my art represents all the different experiences. So I paint no faces all the time because I don't like to define them. Because I feel like my art represents a melding of people and personality. So there's not quite a definition. Like it's not me. It's not my mother. It's not my teacher. It's not my aunt. It's not my friend. It's all of them within me. And all of them representing women, all different kinds of women. So there's no faces. So the transformation has to do with that story too, because, you know, we go through life, we learn, we change, we grow, we transform. So dragonflies are always in that. Then as far as the flowers are concerned, honestly, I just love flowers. Flowers are beauty. Flowers are growth. They change. You know, they go away in the winter. They come back in the spring. So there's some transformation. There's growth. There's renewal. So all of that is represented. That's really, really beautiful. So one thing I just want to share about dragonflies that um, that not everyone, all the boys and girls who are home listening may not know, is they start off life as a beetle. And so, you know, caterpillars start, I mean, butterflies start off life as a caterpillar. Dragonflies start off life as a beetle. And so often dragonflies are used to represent life after death because there is a complete evolution from a beetle to a dragonfly. And it's a very powerful symbol to use in your art. Thank you for sharing that. One thing that I wanted to comment, and again, I'm talking about the, um, do you you have a title yet for that blue dress painting? That's bronzed with elegance. (laughs) Nice. Okay. 
All right. So bronze with elegance. One thing that's really nice about that painting, as well as all the paintings that I'm seeing on your wall, is that the flowers don't overpower the figure. The figure is the strongest element. Uh, and like the dragonfly doesn't overpower. So it, it's not it could have been a different kind of painting where the the figure is a smaller element. We've seen that, like a you know a fairy on a huge flower. So, the, but the strongest element in your paintings is the figure, is the woman in the painting. She dominates. The flowers do not compete with her at all, and that is a really nice way that you've communicated women's strength in your paintings. Thank you. Can you talk about the hair? Mm. I can. Honestly, I just love black hair, African-American hair. Now, people can't see me, but I cut off all my hair. I used to have a whole bunch of hair, but I've chosen to cut it off. But I love big afros. I love the versatility of black hair. I love the bigness. It, for me, is just like another theme that is in my art is freedom. And the big hair feels very free. It feels free and playful and beautiful and gorgeous and representative of African-American women. I just love it. It's just one of those things. I love Afros and Afro puffs and just all the big freedom and fun of that hair. Yeah, you're really celebrating what's beautiful about a black woman. Yes. Okay. All right. So now I want to just change gears just a bit. And I want to hear about your teaching. So what kind of art do you teach? Do you teach people how to do angels? Is it scrapbooking? Is it art journaling? So scrapbooking is gone. (laughs) (laughs) I made a a face that the boys and girls can't see at home. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Is that, still a, is that like completely gone or is it still a thing? Like, and there's people do still scrapbook. And I will, when I w- get with my friends who scrapbook, I'll scrapbook, but it's not, I don't, that's very rare. That trend I'll is gone, that. right? Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are people who still like it, but yeah. scrapbooking too much work. Is, it's too, it's work <laughs> and space. The space is really, the scrapbooks are humongous. What are you going to do with all that stuff? So I teach, I do teach angels. And I teach art journaling. So most, most of the time it's mixed media art journaling. And I will teach figures sometimes like the angels or dancers or whatever. But most are often it is mixed media art journaling. And it is uh, to help people to express themselves more to, you know, art journaling is very good when you're dealing with whatever emotions that you're dealing with. Sometimes it's happiness. Sometimes it's sadness. Sometimes, you know what, you just need to make art. So I do teach classes that just teach people all the different kinds of techniques and tools and different things that they can do in their art journaling and help them to be free with either expressing themselves or if they are a creative trying to let loose to help them loosen up and sort of experience their creativity more freely. And how long have you been teaching? Teaching art journaling probably since 2015, but I've been teaching creatively since maybe nine, maybe 2000, 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to teach art, uh, scrapbooking. Of course I've taught card making and, uh, mini albums and all kinds of different things in, in creativity. Yeah. 
Yeah, what I what I love about art journaling, and for those who aren't familiar, it, it's you know it's really just creating a, a sketchbook practice. And for some people, art journaling can mean something different that you're journaling with art as well. But mm-hmm. it's super important for us as artists that there's we're one of the few creative disciplines where we don't have a formal warm up. So musician will go into practice and they'll they'll do the scales you know they'll they'll warm up before they go to perform a dancer will go into the studio and they'll do plies before they go perform they don't just walk out on the stage and perform swan lake without warming up first and yet as artists a lot of times we put that pressure on ourselves that when we go into the studio to create we're going to perform swan lake with no kind of warm up so it's really important whether it is an art journal practice or some of you have some other way of like kind of slowly bringing yourself into your art each time. It's very difficult just to plop yourself down and expect yourself to to perform without any kind of warm up at all. I agree. I totally agree. It's a, and it's just a great way to play and learn techniques and like you said, not just go into creating a piece of art there's so much that I learn in my art journal that I can later maybe use in my art. Yeah. Cause, um, cause so you're, you're not like when you're, when you're creating something, it's sometimes it's hard to experiment because you're thinking about how much you spent on the canvas or like <laughs> where this is going. And when you're in the art journal, you become more free because you, it's just for you. And so we're, right. we're tend to experiment more. Tell us about the, the workshop that you offer, and this is this is going to air in February. And so I'm assuming your course, One Badass Art Journal, is available in February 2022. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. So tell yeah. us about that class, TR. Okay. So One Badass Art Journal, it's a mixed media art journal class. It's a class where we'll actually create. So we'll make a handmade journal together. So I'm like, we're going to make a badass journal, and then we're going to fill it up with badass art. And people like to ask what badass art is. And badass art really, to me, is as you define it, the artist. So each person in the class, you define it. It's your art. It's what you're bringing to the table. But badass asks you to embrace, to empower, to encourage that inner badass and just let her out and what's or him out. Um, And that is just basically asking you to just meet yourself on the page, do what you want, feel free with it. Don't hold back. Don't compare yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy. Just come in, do these lessons, follow them if you want, change them up if you want. It's really about empowering you to be free, to let go, to do what you want. And to put your art in the journal and not worry about it. You're going to learn techniques, but we're we're all going to be constantly encouraging students to let go, let her come out and play. Okay. Your inner badass. Okay. We all have that. Now, if you want to check out TR's art journal class, just go to shulmanart.com forward slash badass and you'll learn all about her art journal class. 
And don't forget, if you want to check out the Portrait Art Show, you'll see art done by students of Watercolor Portrait Academy, as well as art done by artist incubator clients like T.R. Smith and others. To see that, go to shulmanart.com forward slash salon. Alrighty, T.R., do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yeah, I'm just going to say to anyone out there that wants to be an artist or that is just playing in the art journal, just enjoy the process. Don't get caught up on the results all the time. Sometimes you have to let go, you have to play, you have to be free, and let your own voice be heard on the page or the canvas. That's beautiful. All right, my friend, thank you so much for being with me here today. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com.